Hey guys, this is the Dream It Alive show. I'm your host, Ash Kumra, co-founder of DreamItAlive.com. DreamItAlive.com is a global community site that helps you achieve your best potential, your highest potential, and house, gives you the tools to make you live your best self. We provide digital dream boards, visualization tools, and helpful personal development content along with an awesome, awesome, awesome community. So come check it out at dreamitalive.com. Today's guest is someone who really understands what it takes to live a life that's extraordinary and how to take your gifts to a whole new level. I'm really happy to speak to Anthony Trucks. He is the founder and president of Trust Your Hustle, and his mantra is to teach you to live an unexpected life once you learn to trust your hustle. And what's really impressive about Anthony is that he has a wide variety of things that he has done in his past, which we'll get to. But what's also impressive is that he really understands what it means to become the best version of yourself. And why I'm personally excited about this is because um, with DreamingAlive.com, we preach this. We offer these tool sets and awesome community to help you live it. But it's really awesome to meet someone who is not only living it himself, but teaching us all how we could become our best self. And um, I'm really happy to jump into this. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to a couple organizations that helped set up this interview, um, Independent Awakening and the Live Well Project. So, Anthony, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Actually, I just landed in San Diego last night late. I, uh, I've been kind of running around like crazy. I did a TV show for Independent Awakening and Live Well Project this morning, and now I'm uh, just kind of hanging out. Awesome. Well, it uh, sounds like you're a busy guy right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm curious, Anthony, because uh, I, I read your bio. I, I took a look at your site. Um, you have done so many things. Would you mind giving us like a five-minute overview on your journey to becoming now a uh, sought-after peak performance coach? Uh, it's a weird story. Uh, it starts at three, and it starts with being put in foster care and uh, a kind of a crazy, horrible upbringing, I would call it, uh, from you know, torture and starvation, a bunch of different things that really sucked, and then get adopted by an interracial family. Uh, my mom, my adoptive mom, contracted multiple sclerosis. Uh, I had a kid in college at 20, got a football scholarship, played University of Oregon, which was a positive, uh, met my real dad at 21 years old, uh, dealt with a lot of things, played the NFL for three years. When I got done with that, I opened a gym and came home. Uh, and I kind of progressed into traveling the world and speaking and, and honestly physically is where I first started helping people perform was the physical world. And I started finding out that in the physical realm, it was kind of heavily attached to the mental realm, what people did at home. And uh, I got to the point where I realized I enjoyed, because uh, I went home and opened a gym, I enjoyed the people more than the business side of kind of logistically babysitting, we'll call it that much. Yeah, <laughs> Having yeah. like you know, 19 <laughs> employees yeah. and and this big, huge thing, and it was great, but then I got to the point where um, life switched. I, I, I dealt with an issue in my, my marriage. My wife, um, she had an affair, and it really took me to a really deep, dark hole because you know, growing up in foster care, my mom kind of just giving us away. I had this really deep tie to my family, and when it was being pulled apart, it kind of threw me for a loop. And then from there, uh, I kind of got back on my feet, and last year, my adoptive mom passed from multiple sclerosis, and it was kind of like a point for me of emphasis of saying, you know, I, I really want to get out and share with the world more of my story and help more people than I could do in my small little town in Northern California. So last August I closed the gym and I've set sail to kind of take on the seas of life and, and help as many people as I can do what I call just trust your hustle to 
do the things I've done, which I've now spoke around the world. I have uh, written a book. I consult for a multi-billion dollar company. I speak. Uh, I, I kind of do more things than I know. I just I haven't found uh, a sense of just to say no to something. I'm really, really diligent, and I like to pursue and see what my true potential can be. So um, most of the time, I, I take things on that I, I, I'm just curious about, and I end up finding ways to be great at them. That's amazing. And first off, I'm truly sorry for your loss uh, with your mother. Thank you. I, I'm curious, um, what, what, what were some of the things that your mother taught you? Because I always believe that it's, family's had a big impact on our life. And I loved how yeah. you talked about in this, you know, it sounds like you're a passionate father. And it sounds like, you know, you, there was a time when you were joyously in love with your wife and it sounds like you have a close relationship with your mother. What what lessons did you learn from your mother, and how, how does that apply to what you do and what you share with others? Uh, you know, it's funny is I, I love my mom to death and, and my dad. And I would honestly tell you they didn't give me much life tools. Uh, what they did give me was the intangibles of, of love, care, compassion, that capacity. And so uh, a lot of who I am, I, I couldn't tell you, me and my, my wife, and actually back my ex-wife now, um, we try to figure out, like, why am I the way I am? And I couldn't tell you. All I know is that I care deeply about people, um, more than most people would cliche think somebody would or should. Uh, and that just comes from my perspective of seeing that, you know, my adoptive mom brought this kid in that she really didn't have to, and she loved the hell out of me more than most people would or could. And so for me, it's kind of this almost an obligation to continue to share that because I've been gifted the ability to speak and formulate thought and, and care. So I. I I do it. And the odd thing I tell people all the time is my, my ambitious goal for life is to have a massive funeral. Like when I die, I want to make sure that a lot of people come because I've touched their life in a positive way somehow. You know, I'm hearing more and more about that, uh, specifically about, you know, legacy and how you want to be remembered in this life. Uh, yeah. I feel that, I mean, tell me what you think. I feel that people now, when they reach a certain level of success, including yourself, it's not just about what impact you leave while you're living, but it's also about the impact you want to be remembered for. Do you feel that way? Yeah, you know, I definitely do. I think I think it's different because I would say back in the day, you know, like you know, thousands of years ago or even hundreds of years ago, you didn't have the ability to reach as many people. And so it was way harder. But they, I mean, imagine people like, you know, Sir Isaac Newton or Picasso or you know, all these, these great artists that reached the world when there was no internet. I mean, imagine like the, the ability to do so. So my thing is we have such a huge connection to our world nowadays. Uh, there can be a greater impact. And I wouldn't say in, uh, in terms of the grandeur of whatever it is, like I'm not going to create a, a great painting, but I can reach more people than, than those people would have in their time because of the connection of the world now. And I, I want to make sure that if, I, if I'm going to say I live on this planet, I made it positive. And I'm not one to just say that and really not live that. So for me, it's like I, I, I say things, and when I say them, I, I live up to them. Okay, okay, fair enough. Well, diving into kind of the principles that you've learned growing up, and especially um, your mom being an inspiration in your life, and your father, of course. Um, tell us about your tell us about your book. You mentioned your book, and I feel like the book is like the nucleus for a lot of the things that you do right now. Is that correct? Yeah, you know it is. It's it's a uh... It's part one. It's called Trust Your Hustle Part One, A Life Forged by Fire. It essentially was my cathartic way of getting everything out of me. I had a lot in me, and I, just, I wanted it to get out. And so the book essentially like my story. So it lets people know who I am and, and really where I came from. The, the last couple, like the last chapter, kind of goes in depth in the concept of Trust Your Hustle. Um, but I guess I would say the tools and things you can really apply to your life come more in what I do on a daily basis or the, the things I create course-wise for people. Okay, okay. 
Well, what are some of the highlights of your courses, uh, Summer? I, I know it's a summarization of your book and your life experiences, but you know, someone who does not know who you are, dive into a little deeper as to some of the things they would get out of uh, working with you or reading your book. Uh, you know, uh, so I guess the book more will tell you who I am. I would say, I guess, from a business sense, she listen to me. I think that's kind of the big thing of most people is um, I come from a place of sheer experience. And the book is, if you read the book, it doesn't seem like so everything in the book's place. It's just a really weird life, which is what I what an unexpected life. You look at it on paper and find out what I do. It's like this but outside of the book, uh, the way I create the courses are I, I really try to figure things out from a person's perspective. I take a lot of internal introspection to myself, and then I hold these calls I call tilt talks. And it's kind of to till the soil of someone's mind. But the whole goal is to really dig in and find out how people operate. Like, I, I research by reading tons of books and studies, and I just talk to real people. I mean, I talk to people who are unemployed. I talk to teenagers. I talk to you know, people who are retired, I talk to people who own businesses, who have careers, just all over the gamut. And uh, and then from there, I really create, uh, like, usable tools. Not things that, like, sound good in a bubble or, like, they're great for flash, but, like, real things. So, uh, for example, the one I'm working on now is a productivity product, but it's not what you would expect. Most people are like, oh, how do I get more done in less time? Like, I would say 80% of it is why the hell are you even getting more done? Like, what is the purpose? And so... I step it back. The product is called Lifetime, and it's the goal is to be more productive to give your life time. So if I can step back and say, what, where do I, you know, I can get a lot done, see, but am I being productive for work? Or am I being productive to be able to enjoy the things I'm working for? And so it's just a, it's kind of my tweak on seeing things from people's perspective as opposed to sitting in some ivory tower thinking of how the world should work, but really looking at the grit and the grime of, of what people's lives are generally like and then finding ways to help them. So, you know, it sounds like you have some amazing um, inspirations and it sounds like a lot of people have made an impact in your life. I'm curious, with your own book and the things that you share to the world, what are some of the things people will get out of it, whether it's from reading your book or from the courses itself? Uh, well, essentially, in the book itself, it's a, it's a background of my life, my story. and I feel like a lot of people, uh, they don't know who a person is. They just, you know, they, they watch things and find out ways to improve the life, but really don't know where the person's story has come from. So for me, what I, I do is in the book, it's it's essentially who I am to understand why to listen to me. And then outside of that, I spend a lot of personal time um, interviewing people. Like I've interviewed tens of people, um, almost like close to 50. Uh, for an hour long, I sit on the phone and just ask questions to get a kind of an introspective look on what they're struggling with. And it, it's everybody from all demographics. It's unemployed, employed, retired, own businesses, careers, I mean, you name it. And then I read a bunch of books and studies to find out really how people psychologically work. And then I try to develop something that can actually work. A lot of people create these you know, programs and these things that are kind of in a bubble. Like, so right now I'm working on a productivity product. And it's made in like a perfect world sense. Uh, you know, maybe you have an assistant and you have five hours here, but I mean, people's lives are like, I got a kid, you know, I got to, I got to pick them up, drop them off from school and I get an hour and a half here, or, you know, I have a sports event. Like nobody really looks at it from the perspective of how does a person's life actually work? So, um, my concept is really create something that is usable from a real world perspective. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, one of the things I'm hearing from you, it sounds like you're a student of life and that you're constantly learning and connecting with other successful people. Who are some of your role models? I mean, outside of your family and the people from your past, who are some of your role models and why? 
Uh, it's odd. I, I find that uh, I'm almost leery of role models, more so because what, what I would consider a role model is someone who uh, I perceive as being great. And uh, the, the worst part is nine times out of ten, they're not the person they per, you know, per, Why is show that? you to be. Okay, I'm gonna I, I don't know. That. Why is that? Keep... I, I wish I knew. Uh, it's kind of this thing where the more you tap into a world, the more you find out the behind the scenes. Give me an example. I don't need to know names, but I mean I want to hear like a – let's just say – Billy Jean as the name of a person. Tell we'll me call it Billy Jean. So Billy Jean is a person I follow and I've purchased thousands of dollars in products from. And what Billy Jean tells me to do, I find out from people who work directly for Billy Jean that Billy Jean doesn't do half the things that Billy Jean recommends I do. And and so that's kind of where that, that real world bubble kind of bothers me. So role model wise, there's people that I follow and I and I, I purchase you know information from to help kind of get a sense of an industry or. If I don't purchase it, I just read it. You know, I'm able to read a book on something, and what what happens is, I get let down, and I don't like let down. I've, I've experienced let down in my life many, many times. Now, I I would I love the information, but it doesn't always sit with me as like putting a person as a role model because then it, in my mind it's like I got to be a fan, and I'm not really a fan of anybody because I believe we're all in the same boat, just kind of you know just kind of paddling different oars. And I mean, I have people that I, I respect highly. But I will not. I don't know if I would call them role models or heroes, so to speak. Okay. Okay. No, that makes total sense. Um, because you know, you're basically saying you've looked at some people that you, you're saying that you looked at some people that you bought some products from. You yeah. followed their principles, but they themselves weren't living that life authentically. Well, yeah. how are you? What things do you do that makes you an authentic mentor, role model, coach? So I guess this leads to like your own daily habits, rituals, things that you do every day. Tell us about your habits. My personal habits, man, they change. I'm, I'm like everybody else. I have some that I love to do, and they, they stick in place, and some change. You know, there's times when, like, I'll get up in the morning every day for, you know, a solid, you know, month every day at 5.45 or 6 a.m., and I'll, I'll, I'll stretch, and I'll drink tea, and I'll meditate, but then one day I don't, and then the next day I don't, and then 30 days later I have it, you know, but the thing for me is I'm transparent about that. Like, I'll tell you, like, I'm not a perfect human being, but I, I understand that when I need to get stuff done, I revert to very good tactics that allow me to bang things out. And so I'll share what those things are with people, but I'm not going to go and say, for the last 12 years, every day I get up at 545 without missing a beat, and I read and I stretch, you know? And so in that capacity, there are people who they have to keep that image. They're so heavy on their own image. They don't want to be solely even by themselves. And what I find is a transparency, honestly, if, if you mess up, it's like people can relate better because they mess up themselves. They, yeah. they don't put you on a pedestal. Okay. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, what are some newer habits that you've done? Like, what are some, I'm, I, I'm kind of wanting to dive into how you work, like how you stay so yeah. primed for success and primed to inspire people. Like, uh, give us the secret sauce. The secret sauce. Honestly, yeah. it's uh, I'm very present. <laughs> like I can sense when I'm being an ass. Like I'll step back. Like you know what? That was kind of a crappy, <laughs> crappy statement to make. And I, you know, I have judgments. I'm a human being. Like I look at people. Like oh, that person is a stupid person, right? You just you look and you realize that. So my biggest thing right now is um, I try to realize that like we all as people, myself and we look at someone and a statement flies out of mouth. That's stupid. Why do you do that? Right, and then I start realizing, like, well, whose scale? Like, whose scale am I using? Is it a worldly scale? Like, maybe somebody, they, they want to walk around the streets, you know, with just their underwear on and flip-flops. Like, it's not stupid to them. And so my thing right now in life is trying to be as, as like, judgment-free as possible because there's, there's no telling who is good, who is bad, who's happy, because really, at the end of the day, we're all searching for the same happiness. 
we all get it in different ways, though, because we all need a different key for that same lock. But if I step back and try to be judgmental of that person and say it's stupid, well, I'm taking their happiness away, but it's it's a different key. Like my, my key's different for that key of happiness than theirs is. So the secret sauce for me is I'm very happy with who I am, and I'm now getting more happy with people being who they are, and it allows us to kind of sit, and I, I don't have to be closed off because I'm judgmental. And then what it does is it opens an amazing door. I get to learn something I never would have thought before. I get to see a perspective I never would have seen, and I get to have an aha moment, and I get to learn, and then I get to be better. I get to grow. And so just that simple judgment closes me off to that massive opportunity of growing. And, and I look at the world of, in an odd way, but every time I drive my car, I'm like, there are thousands of stories passing me right now every day. Like someone had an amazing story they experienced every day in a car or if I'm sitting in a lobby somewhere and there's somebody there that I may never open my mouth and talk to. But what if I did? And what if that person had the answer to a question I've had for the last 15 years and I never thought of it, right? But if I'm judgmental and I walk that person off, I'm hurting myself in the long run. That, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I love what you're saying about that. And I totally agree with you about presence and how needed presence is to, you know, just engage in all aspects of your life, all types of conversations and all situations. And uh, I feel that if the whole world was present, uh, you'd see a lot less obstacles, a lot less egoic stuff and uh, yeah. just more abundance, I feel, you know? I, I agree, man. That's, uh, that's it. We also got a lot of people who... They'll never like the conversation we're having. It won't reach them, and and I wouldn't go as far as to say they're like some people are like oh they're just stupid. Like no, I just I think I've got, I've progressed my mind to a certain level of being able to drop my ego and, and swallow my pride enough to where like we're having a conversation just to say an arbitrary number. Like we're at number five. Let's say we're at level five conversations. Some people have level ten conversations, right? But if you're talking to a level two conversational person, the problem is not that they're stupid, but they're on a different level. And so it's hard to talk the way I want to talk and have some people get it. Like in all reality, like I'm in California, you got a lot of thugs walking around. It's just it's what it is, right? But I can't have this conversation with them because they just don't get certain parts of it. And so the only hindrance there is like how do you how do you have the world grow when a lot of the world doesn't even want to grow or doesn't even know that they have the capability of growing? Wow. Touche, man. That's some some good knowledge. <laughs> I, I'm kind of curious um, on the more practical habits that you do outside of the more spiritual and uh, uh-huh. more presence tactics that we've talked about. Do yeah. you do any goal setting tools or do you do any visualization or do anything like a dream board? Does any of those things fit in your life or things you recommend to others? You know, I'm not a crafty guy, but I'm, uh, I like to get things out of my brain. Okay. So one of the tactics for myself personally is, is every time something pops up, I write it in my notes. Like I have a note section on my phone that has like a thousand notes and then some of those notes have like a thousand entries. It's, it's kind of ridiculous to be honest. But, uh, I have a simple process of, I operate very quickly and I don't like to operate like most people say block time. I call it go time. So this is my perspective. Like I to get a lot of stuff done i just have to like i have to have by next friday a whole uh, ergonomic fitness program done for a massive corporation then i have to also create a few videos have those done i have to record some audios for an app that i'm on so all stuff has to get done right but most people are like all right i'm gonna go and set a timer for 15 minutes take a 10 minute break and then go for another 30 minutes or whatever it is and i'm like that doesn't work for me I, i'm not good with like back to back like stepping step by step forward so i don't need to set out like here i need to do this 15 things so what i do is I'll set like four hours and I'll say, okay, I got four hours to get these five things done. And I multitask like a mug. And so what I do is I look at it like this. I need to get these things done. So I may edit a video while the video is 
rendering or whether the video is loading, I can go and write my blog posts or I can go and create my, my videos. I, I do all these different things. But what I do is I'll bang out time as opposed to saying at 50 minutes, like I'm in a flow and I cut it off because an alarm goes off, which I think is stupid. I keep going. Now, I keep going until I'm present with myself to realize, hey, I have rewatched the same section of the video four times. I had to keep going back because I can't focus. Or I'm reading the same page of this book. Or I keep staring at walls. And so at that point, it could be 20 minutes in. It could be an hour and 20 minutes in. I get up and I go do nothing for 10 minutes. I don't like, I don't check my phone. Like I literally go outside and sit on the grass or I walk with my dog around the block. It, it sounds retarded, but it's what I do. And what happens is my brain just, it just, it, it, it kind of disconnects. It decompresses. Then when I step back in, I can go to work and I get a lot done. It's not that I have some special timer or some trick. It's just that when I'm going, I go, I turn everything off and I go until my body tells me it's enough. Okay. No, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And one more question on your habits. And before we dive into more about um, the partnership at the Live Well Project, what about diet and nutrition and uh, those areas? Like what are some general things that you do or you recommend for others? Uh, find something you enjoy doing. I could talk about this section all day long. I, I ran a gym for, you know, six years, trained for 12, and I'm still active. Actually, I pulled back out my old, you know, NFL workouts I used to do. Uh, it's huge, though. I find that I have the most productivity when I get like a, a ridiculously hard workout in. So if I go in for an hour and I move weight, like you're kind of fatigued in a session. I go home, take a shower, and I, my mind is on. And I can go for like five hours straight and forget I was even doing anything. So what most people don't realize is they, they, they're like, well, I don't want to put effort in because I'll get tired. You're not going to get the kind of tired you think. And if you do it enough, you gain a massive amount of energy um, physically and mentally. And then on top of that, it allows me to be uh, to be able to be like honestly happy, relieve so much stress that when I do enter into doing my work, like I'm stress-free and energetic and I get stuff done. And so the health portion of it is huge. But the biggest thing is people step into fitness and they choose something they don't like doing. Like if you don't like riding a bike, don't go buy a nice new Cannondale bike. It's going to be an expensive clothes hanger for your garage someday. If you don't like running, don't buy a treadmill. It's going to be a good place to hang clothes. So I would say find and try things you enjoy doing. Once you find something you enjoy doing, you'll do it more often. It'll come to become habitual. And habitual is like when you get to the point where it's a habit, it's effortless. And that's where I want to get like a lot of my clients to is the power of, of just what a habit is. When you do something and you almost feel awkward if you're not doing it, that's where the power comes in. And if you can find something like doing, you'll do it. And you'll do it so much, it'll become a habit. And if it becomes a habit, you'll feel awkward if you don't do it. But the idea is... A habit can be as simple as like I bite my fingernails. It's a bad result. But you can also have habits be harnessed to be something where you do it, but it's a positive result for you. That's awesome, man. No, that's that's some good knowledge there. Um, we're just soaking it all in, man. This is a this is a great conversation, man. You definitely are uh, prime for success, and it sounds like you have a very well-rounded way of how you look at things, and your mind, body, soul habits are definitely intact, man. So props to you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's talk about. Um, you know, your, your trip, I mean, you're in San Diego, I mean, you're supporting Independent Awakening and the Live Well Project. What got you to, to be involved with them? Like, what, what tenets or principles that they're doing that just clicked with you or connected with you? One of the biggest one is they're actually doing it. I think that's the biggest Love thing. It. I have yeah. a saying is, uh, is, is dreamers don't hang out with doers because doers are doing, you know. So <laughs> um, 
at the end of the day, like I listen to people, oh, I want to do this, and I'm dreaming about this, and they never get it done. So the fact that one, they're doing it is huge. Secondly, uh, I believe in it because of the people they're dealing with. They're dealing with young girls that, who who need this. Like I, you know, I'm a father of a, of a little girl, and I, I have siblings that were also in foster care, and this is something that we talk about. And it's non-existent. And to see people doing it, and not just kind of like talking about doing it, but they're actually doing it from a genuine place of care, like that's amazing. And, and regardless, like I don't get paid to be out here. I'm, I'm paying my way to be out here, but it puts you in a rare air. And no, you're paying it forward, this. my friend. You're yeah, I'm, I'm paying for myself to be out here. I'm not, yeah. My, my family right now is all in San Francisco, or actually heading to, uh, to, to Arizona for the San Francisco Giants like spring training, and I'm out here because – one, I, I found out about this first, and I don't like to break. If I make a commitment, I stick to it. My family, my, my people know that. But two, it's it's amazing. Like it's it's something where I get to give back in a way that is really pushing my my model of uh, one to have a huge funeral. I want to go reach people in ways that that most people just talk about. That's amazing. Well, what are what what are some things that we should be on the lookout for with them? Um, I know you're here to support them and be one of their <clears throat> spokespeople, but tell us about some of the highlights that they're up to. Uh, well, besides this independent awakening, it, it's uh, there's a lot of things they do on, on the self, like kind of individual base of, of helping people find their own independent awakening. So Live Well Project is based around, um, you know, helping young women, but it was picked up by Independent Awakening. And Independent Awakening, their their whole goal, which is from the founder down, is to allow women mostly to step in and more men are coming on board as well, but to find their own personal, like independent awakening, not just some company, but the real sense of the words, which is to find out what it is you have to do to open your eyes, to wake up to whatever life you're living. That's awesome, man. Well, Anthony, uh, before we end this interview, I always ask this question to people. If you could meet the 21 year old version of yourself, or let's just say you're the younger version of yourself is just getting their, their life started, what advice would you give that younger version of yourself? Honestly, I would say uh, harness the power of, of the tools you have access to. Uh, now, like I talk to people all the time about if I was 21 their age and the life I'm in now, a lot of people are, are fighting this uphill battle of you know trying to find a job and, and you know put their faith in someone else. But we have as a, a society such direct access to the world that you don't have to work for someone if you never want to. Like You just don't. And so, if I could, I would tell someone all the free time you're spending watching, you know, Family Guy, and you're out hanging with your buddies. Like, learn how to one code if you could. Um, two, learn how internet works and messaging stuff. Never share whatever the hell you want to share. I don't care. It's stupid. Put yourself out there because the more you do, the more followers you can get. Follow who you are, and then as you grow, what happens is if you ever want to start a company at any point in time, you have a base of brand for yourself in ways you don't even comprehend just yet. And so I would say harness the power of the world we have access to, and uh, and just don't waste your time because you know the party is my big thing. The party that twenty one year olds do, you know, at a house with a, a bottle of Jägermeister in someone's backyard doing beer pong, you can do that kind of partying now, or you can buckle down. And when you become 30, 35, or 40, you can do that same kind of partying, but now you might be on a yacht or in a mansion, you know, and it's a whole different kind of party. Well, Anthony, thank you so much for that knowledge. And, um, you know, is there any last kind of guidance you want to give the world? Anything that's flowing in your head right now as you're having this conversation and as we're reliving your, your past, reliving your journey to where you are, living this amazing life that you have, giving back to the world as you are, what... Anything you want to share with us before we adjourn? 
I don't know off the top of my head, but I would simply say, uh, at the end of the day, everything's possible. I know this is the most cliche, guys. It's probably the most cliche thing to say everything's possible, but the only thing that's not possible, uh, actually, this is what I tell people all the time. There is no acceptable reason to not be great unless you accept that there's an acceptable reason to not be great. So it's, it's this massive push in your head to choose to find some way to make it happen because a lot of people make excuses and the excuses do nothing but excuse you from the result. Good or bad excuse doesn't matter, but this, the fact there's an excuse in place, it excuses you from the result, which can be positive for you. So uh, you literally have to get to a place of, I call it uh, stupid optimism. Just look at everything as if it's going to be great, even if it sounds like it's stupid to do so. Awesome, Anthony. Well, where can we find you? Uh, AnthonyTrucks.com. Okay. Well, that's easy. <laughs> easy, yeah. I made sure it was easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, bro, thank you so much for being on this uh, show, and thank you so much for elevating the world and making the world be a better place. No problem. Thank you for having me on. I truly appreciate it.